Coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech, TikTok claims the most web traffic in 2021. We'll go into detail on that. I have some doubts there. Square Enix has gone full Shinra. Alexa has given the worst advice ever. And Taste O Vision. That's right. Taste O Vision. TVs you can taste. Coming soon. All that and more coming up today on Eagle on Tech. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North. So we am going to write this Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. Welcome to 2020.2, the latest version of the apocalyptic hellscape that is 2020. Nah, kid. It's the brand new year. We're actually recording this on New Year's Day itself. All of the news you're going to see here today, technically, despite the fact this is a New Year's episode, the first episode of 2022, is all 2021 news. But nobody cares about that detail. What people do care about is the fact that Tesla has to recall over half a million of their vehicles in the United States and Canada because of safety risks. And the safety risks are fascinating. Basically, the model, let's, let me actually get, make sure I get the correct on which is which. We have Model 3s, that's the cheap vehicle, by the way. Between the years of 2018 and 2020, they're being recalled because of a fault with the rear view camera. Basically, the... Flex cable that goes to the trunk is slightly too short and can break. Now... Normally, I wouldn't consider this a big deal. All right. A backup camera, for the most part, for those of us who have had, you know, older cars, it's a minor detail. You can always just look out the back window. You know, if it weren't for the fact that the back window has been increasingly made more and more and more completely, utterly useless. So it actually is a big concern unless you're a trained professional like me, in which you have trained your your eyes and your brain to be able to figure out your surroundings simply by looking in the side mirrors, which are comically small and do not provide nearly enough information on the Model 3s. Yeah, yeah, actually, no, this actually is a bit, this actually is kind of a big deal. This is actually something of an issue. Nowhere near, however, as much of an issue as what's going on with the Model S. The Model S also, as part of this recall, can have the front hood pop 
open at random. It is, of course, a very rare issue that it could happen, but um, I prefer the odds of my front hood popping open on its own to be zero. And yes, I'm going to call it the front hood because that's what it is. It is the hood of the vehicle. It is not a frunk cover. Ugh. If I ever become a homicidal maniac, it's going to be over the word frunk. But in any case, you have that to start things off in the world of Tesla. Someone in chat says it's a bonnet. That the front trunk of a Tesla is a bonnet. Before you send me death threats demanding that I execute this person of the chat, um, rest assured, I don't care. Just like I also don't care about the fact that Fortnite servers were down for five hours and that apparently The Verge is just just blown away by the fact that a game server went down for an extended period of time. I mean, okay, look, you, you got a big game. It's, the game servers went down for five hours. The game that's always online, it's, you know, it's a big deal. Were you really strapped for stories? This kind of thing happens all the time. The, actually, you know what the real fascinating thing about the outage is? The error message that uh, that came up if you tried to access Fortnite during these five hours was the message, you do not have permission to play Fortnite. Y you know what? I'll bite. I'll bite Epic. Um... What is the possible scenario that um, this would be a valid error message? It's a free-to-play game. This isn't going to be about, oh, you're banned from the server. You just say you have been banned or your account has been terminated. When? When would I not have proper permission to play Fortnite? Is there some parental controls built into the game? Did the parental controls go rogue in Fortnite and say that everyone needed to talk to mommy and daddy in order to, uh, to get permission to play the game? This is very baffling to me. And it's one thing, as someone mentioned in the chat, if this was, say, you're trying to get into a developer account or something like that, I would expect that, you know, you're trying to get into the, into the back end of the game. But the fact that the miss, that the message says, it'd be one thing. All right. Let me rephrase that. It would be one thing if the error message says your account doesn't have permission to access this. 
or access denied or your account doesn't have proper permission. But it specifically said, you do not have permission to play Fortnite. It's worded very specifically. It's kind of odd. And quite frankly, you know what it's also telling me? I am thinking about this way too much. Someone in chat says, you, you specifically do not have personal pay for it. You know what? That's fine. I am perfectly fine not having Epic Games permission to play Fortnite. I, for one, can live with the fact that I can't play Fortnite. You know, especially since, you know, I don't have a Fortnite account. Yeah, if you ever see Eagle Falcon on Fortnite, it's not me. They are an imposter. And you should vote to eject them out of Fortnite. That's how the game works, right? Right? You know what else you should vote to eject them from the, from the ship? The HDMI console. And every single flipping person in existence that is trying to name the HDMI standards. So. For those who don't know, standard ports like HDMI and USB have standard certifications they must go through so that you know what the device is capable of. We talked before about how you, how HDMI 2.1 will now just instead be, you know, whatever the heck you, you want it to be. 2.1 specifically covered the ability for 4K at 120 hertz with HDR. And all of a sudden, HDMI 2.1 didn't actually have to support HDR. And the waters started to get muddy. Which then just started making everyone wonder, what's the freaking point? What is the point of calling anything anything if it doesn't matter? Ah, but now HDMI has the answer. Ladies and gentlemen, for CES 2022, we will have access to, apparently, HDMI 2.1A. Why? Why? We have gone through so much effort for these kinds of standards, for these kinds of names to make some flippant sense. Fortnite. 
for the longest time we had to try and tell people the difference between 802.11a, 802.11b, 802.11g, 802.11n, and what was, what, was the, what was the one that came after the 802.11ac or something like that? And which one was which and which was better? And then the Wi-Fi commission at least then finally got the brains and said, you know what, that's really confusing. Maybe instead we should just call it Wi-Fi one, two, three, four, five, six. So why the heck do we decide not to do that for every other port in existence? I want to say I covered a laptop last week on Eagle Eyes on Tech. That the entire list of ports on it was a massive alphabet soup that drove me more and more to the brink of insanity. Because you had one USB port that was technically Thunderbolt, but it was USB 4 slash Thunderbolt 3 slash USB 3.2a. Half the list was describing the various supported functions of the USB because God help the USB commission if they could just come up with a, with a, with a basic freaking standard that made sense. Instead, no, they let themselves get pushed around and come up with BS. Already, HDMI 2.1 makes no sense. You can't trust anything that says USB 2.1 or HDMI 2.1. So now we have USB 2.1A that maybe will mean the same thing, but you already botched it. You already botched 2.1. Why the heck should I trust 2.1A? It's literally going to get to the point where the packaging is literally meaningless. You're just gonna have to go ahead, look at the model number, find some independent guy like Linus Tech Tips, who is currently in the middle of working on a lab specifically to test this kind of nonsense because this nonsense is allowed to go on and the bodies that exist, that their sole purpose in life is to create a standards to bring sanity to the electronic space, just stopped caring. So no, instead the entertainment channel with the guy who goes ahead and freaking hooks up an EC unit to a CPU to see what'll happen and then goes, yep, that's a bad idea. We gotta count on him! We gotta count on freaking Canadian Linus and freaking Tech Jesus watching gigabyte power supplies explode behind a blast shield. Because the standards cannot even come up with standards. And rather than get their act together, would much, much rather just let things get even worse.
look, at least I can take solace in one thing, all right? At least bad random Chinese companies making up the rules they go and no one slapping back them and saying no. At least that isn't a sign of the end times, all right? That's just a sign that technology is getting confusing. Now, if only there was a real solid thing that could tell me that the end times are here. Maybe if there was just one solid headline that upon reading it, I know that yes, yes, we need to obliterate everything. Nothing is worth living any, oh. TikTok got more traffic than Google in 2021. Now, before we go completely insane and try to torch all of the internet, let us first take a deep breath, step back, and let's analyze this logically. All right. So let me tell you my thought process when I saw this cross my desk. TikTok got more traffic than Google. How? Google is in a situation in which unless some massive shattering of how Google functions is done, they cannot be toppled as far as traffic goes. For one simple main reason, as my phone just keeps chirping, non-freaking-stop. What the heck is going on? Oh, my phone is just is just giving me a friendly reminder that I still live in Wisconsin and that, and that there's snow. Cool story. Now, with that being said, Google, here's the thing though, all right? Google is built into every single web browser, basically. The most dominant web browser out there is Chrome. Whether it's on your Android phone, whether it's on your desktop, and even on your Apple devices. Google controls, I want to say it's just shy, if not it's breached, 90% of all web traffic, bar none. 
on top of that, most people use Google now by just using the address bar. A lot of the times, let's pretend I was a hardcore TikTok user. I'm not, but let's pretend I am for a minute. If I just type in TikTok without the .com or whatever that, I don't even know what, what the uh, what the end moniker is for TikTok. If I just type that into the address bar, that counts as a hit to Google to search up TikTok. And now with that all said, now as I go through these rationalizations as to why this doesn't smell right, I get to the real problem in all this. There is only one source in all of the internet trying to claim this. And that by far is the biggest red flag in all of this. Because the single source for TikTok becoming the biggest, most, the highest traffic place in the entire internet is Cloudflare. And only Cloudflare. Who else sees the problem with this? Now, someone in the chat, as I went through my entire rant there, brought up another good good point. What is the metric for highest for highest traffic? Is it done by website hit? Like you'd assume it would be? Is it measured by the amount of data sent through? In which case, uh, you know, websites like TikTok, YouTube, Netflix, every other streaming service on the planet would all dwarf Google who only sends text. And then I'll take that same concept a step further. What counts as a hit on TikTok? I'm sorry, someone in the chat corrected me. Text and images. Fair, fair point, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, the images probably dwarfs the amount of data sent from Google over the text, right? Most likely. But then what counts as a fit on a hit on TikTok? If I go on TikTok and I'm just sitting on the can killing time, Does every time I swipe up to view a new video, does that count as a new hit? Because that's TikTok's whole thing. That's their shtick. To give you a basically brand, a whole feed of just seamless content over and over and over again. 
even though you have not left the site. All these questions I just brought up, Cloudflare is not answered. There's also the giant elephant in the room. Did TikTok manipulate data? Considering the fact that ByteDance does have, you know, is a Chinese company, and much like most big Chinese companies, are also not to a complete extent, but do have aspects of them that are used to, uh, that are used and puppeted by the Chinese government. Who's to say that that data wasn't manipulated in some way, shape, or form? Specifically, just to give a leg up, to give an, the illusion that TikTok is way, 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 way more popular than it actually is. I'll just give you this bit of advice. Anytime I try to verify a story, one of the things I look for is do multiple different sources confirm the same thing? And in this case, I can find a lot of different sources claiming that TikTok is on top. And every single one of them points back to Cloudflare. No one else mentions TikTok at all. I just want you to at least consider that when consuming information from other sources. We're going to shift up my order a little bit, and I want to give you this little thing before we go into the break. In Square Enix, you need to know something. We're actually shifting over to Square, by the way. For the most part, the company Square Enix is split widely between various business divisions. Someone in the chat actually brought up a very good point as far as how uh, Cloudflare might have gotten their number that they might have gotten their number just based on a DNS query considering the fact that, you know, the way Cloud, considering how Cloudflare works. So yeah, if the, if the TikTok app, every single time you swipe up, just 
hits the DNS again. That could manipulate the numbers very radically. That could also be why only Cloudflare has them that high. It's a good theory. It, 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 is a, it is a good theory. I only wish I had the ability to test it. In any case, Final Fantasy, or, uh, Square Enix is... Um, they're an interesting animal to look at. Because within the company are just numerous different business divisions that all work on various projects. Right now in the gaming community, it is without a doubt that Business Unit 3 within Final Fan or within Square Enix is the most beloved. Business Unit 3, of course, if you don't know, is the division in charge of Final Fantasy 14. They just recently had a huge, successful, perhaps too successful, launch of their Endwalker expansion. And they j and one thing that Business Unit 3 has done extremely well is getting in touch with the player base and tell them, you know, we appreciate you. Thank you for playing. And even in their they even go go out of their way to go and give a letter to the players looking forward. Restating that even though this latest expansion is the conclusion to a long saga they've been building up, they still have plenty to come up with and actually try to pave the way for their story ahead to go more to its roots, to look at the player as an adventurer rather than some amazing hero, some amazing warrior of light, as they were for the past couple expansions. Business Unit 3 goes out of their way to make sure they understand the players, that they understand their community know what the community wants and to work to get the players an experience that is beneficial to them. And even when things don't go as planned, they go ahead and they apologize. I want you to keep this kind of mentality, the mentality of... Uh, Yoshida-san and his approach of putting the player first in comparison with the story we're going to have after the break.
Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So, on one hand of square, you have Business Unit 3 doing everything it can to put the player first. And then you have Square Enix's president, the head of the whole company, putting out a letter to the public. The letter primarily focusing on NFTs, the metaverse, and blockchain games. So, let's just, let's just tear this apart, why don't we? (sighs) So, for those who don't know, the metaverse is basically a buzzword that Facebook created in its sole goal to try and position themselves as the hub of uh, VR. That's all the metaverse is. It is basically VR chat that is owned by Facebook. That's it. So anytime you hear anyone say the metaverse is the future, that just means they support Facebook and their absolute insane push to become the center of the VR world. So let's just get that out of the way right away. All right. But of course, Square Enix's president is so absolutely dumb that he's not willing to actually see it for what it is. In his letter, he says, Facebook changed its name in October to Meta, serving as evidence that the concept is not a mere buzzword, but here to say, uh, here to stay. They invented the buzzword! How clueless can you be? I just, I can't, I can't even. Once again, I restate, Facebook changed its name to Meta to position itself as a VR competitor and also to try and dodge a metric ton of bad press against Facebook. And the scary thing is it worked. After Facebook changed its name to Meta, you notice how the chain, the absolute string of stories in regards to whistleblowers that honestly didn't have a really good case to begin with and actually sounded like those same whistleblowers were advocating for Facebook to censor, which was kind of weird. After the name change, all those stories stopped both legitimate and illegitimate, they were gone. 
but I restate again. Those that say they want to aim their games to be compatible with the metaverse just means they want to go ahead and monetize on Facebook's platform and enjoy the plethora of data that the metaverse will mine. All the metaverse is, is Facebook and VR chat having a baby. So let's get that right, all right? Now, to pick apart some of the other stuff here. Another term that quickly, let me rephrase that. The letter also states the, the following. Another term that gained quick currency in 2021 was NFT or non-fungible token. The advent of NVID, God, the advent of NFTs using blockchain technology significantly increased the liquidity of digital goods, enabling the trading of various of such goods at high prices and sparking conversation around the world. So, let's break that down for a second. All NFTs are, again, is a serial number and a link. That is all an NFT is. A link to whatever the digital good is with a serial number on it. Remember this, okay? That NFT of that stupid monkey you keep seeing? If Bored Ape Yacht Club or whatever the heck it's actually called goes down... You have nothing. You have a dead link and a serial number. An NFT is as useless as the random receipt I have laying on on my kitchen counter right now for the groceries bought three weeks ago. Because once I eat those groceries, the receipt is now worthless. It's the same thing with NFTs. The fact that the NFT is stored on the blockchain and thus by its sheer existence is consuming electricity to perpetuate existence for all time or until the blockchain fails doesn't make the digital good itself last any longer. And now, Square, here's my question to you. NFTs exist. Cool. What about it? In fact, here, 
pitch to me, pitch to me. Let's even pretend I'm not even a customer. Let's say I'm an investor. Let's say I'm on your board. Explain to me why a gaming company going into NFTs is a great idea. From the consumer's point of view, it's a terrible idea because it creates an artificial scarcity on a digital good that can be replicated infinitely. For the consumer, it's awful. There's no other way to look at it. The value provided to the gamer is non-existent. Because it means now that weird, that cool skin I wanted, well, I'm guaranteed there's only going to be a thousand of them. And there can never be any more. But let me actually make a better point for you. Let's pretend I'm an investor. And this is actually the key part here. This is actually the part that I think no other gaming company has thought about. That no one has thought about. What is the benefit of Square to make NFTs? You make a thousand of these skins, all right? And let's say we sell the original NFT for $50. That's actually double what a normal... In, actually, no, let's say $100. We'll say $100 for this limited edition digital skin that you can only make 100 of, by the way. That's it. Because otherwise there's no scarcity and no reason to buy them, all right? And you've only made 1,000 of them, all right? So you've made a million dollars that way. Or... You could have sold it for $50 and then sold an infinite number of them. But these NFTs sell for tons upon tons of money between each other. Yeah, and how much of them as the, de as the developer of them do you see? See, this is the killer part about NFTs. And it's something I don't think Ubisoft, Square, or anyone else gets when it comes to NFTs. That unique digital skin that I go ahead and sell to my buddy because he wants it way more than I do. Let's say I sell this cool skin. Let's say I have a rare golden lunar whale skin. All right. And I sell it for $10,000 to my, my buddy, Jake, who I just made up and might be the name of this squirrel on my microphone. How much of that money did square get? zero because it's decentralized
that's the thing that a lot of these companies seem to just ignore. If you're going to go ahead and use the actual mainstream blockchains, you have no control over them. If you go ahead and do what some person actually said right here, create your own blockchain and then put a transaction fee on it and make your money that way, you have now taken away the one thing that made NFTs unique, the fact that they're decentralized. Because now once you're making your own blockchain, now you're creating your own currency, now you're creating your own blockchain, and now you have to go ahead and try to get people to mine for your blockchain and then any sort of environmental message you tried to have before is now completely and utterly lost. And of course, the moment you try to make your own blockchain, the chance of fraud goes up drastically. Tons upon tons of organizations have tried making their own cryptocurrency, and the vast majority of them do it for the sole purpose of pulling the rug out, cashing out when the value is high enough, and then basically leaving everyone else down thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars. This is why people don't like NFTs. Because they are rampant with fraud. In fact, you want to hear something else with a lot of these NFTs and why they're selling for massive, massive, massive amounts of dollars? A lot of the very big sales of NFTs that are going on that are picked up through the blockchain as a transaction. Do you know who they go to? Someone in the chat has it correct. Either themselves or another account they control specifically to inflate the value of their NFT to perpetuate their own wealth with a fake currency that they trick other people into thinking is worth a lot more than it actually is. People talk in the stock market about a bubble. There's a housing bubble going around there's a bubble around around tech giants this that and the other thing in the crypto world there is no bubble around cryptocurrency cryptocurrency is a bubble cryptocurrency is one giant empty bubble that is only held up by the by the thoughts and self-belief that everything about it is worth something. Cryptocurrency, by its very nature, 
is almost to the point of being a cult. That literally the only thing giving itself any kind of value to those who actually believe in it is just that. Their own belief. Otherwise, there's nothing else there. There's not even a book that someone wrote eons ago telling a grand story about how cryptocurrency is is the currency of the world. There's nothing. Someone in chat says, so effectively, money. No, at least with money... There is something backing it. There is at least a nation backing money. With crypto, there isn't even that. To see Square Enix go down this path of trying to say that blockchain games are the future, to say that NFTs are the future, but in the end, what Square Enix's president is embracing here is buzzwords empty hollow and to to an extent destructive buzzwords Chad is very, is very quickly descending into the conversation of money not being backed by physical goods and having no guarantee for a while. Dude, at least there is a government behind a currency of some kind. We could go into the long philosoph- philosophical debate about how much value a government behind a currency actually has. But then I become the verge where we just go down into the weeds of nothing. In the end, there is at least something with actual power behind actual money. The only thing behind crypto is literally blind faith. I want to know what the heck keeps making my phone chirp more and more. I think actually The Verge has a bug on my phone and just wants to make it chirp at random to distract me. Someone in chat says the electricity being consumed by crypto is backing cryptocurrency. You know, I actually did try to make the point before that the only thing backing cryptocurrency is the GPUs that mine for it. And even that's untrue. 
because all the GPUs are doing is basically printing the currency. That's it. And also tracking who has what of the currency. Because that's all GPU miners are doing. Is just trying to go ahead and just track who owns what. But again, it's not like because of that. You have all those those GPUs trying to go ahead and just make sure that everything's on the up and up. No one is trying to go ahead and get away with anything funny in the world of cryptocurrency. Like, there's no way there would be uh, copycats just going ahead and copy saving, say, randomly generated bored ape NFTs and trying to resell them right oh no there's actually two there's actually two copycats doing exactly that yeah there are two nft copycats who are fighting over who are fighting with themselves as to who is the real fake bored ape yacht club the Board Ape Yacht Club, as I mentioned earlier, is an is one of the bigger NFT havens in which an AI randomly generates bad pictures of a monkey that looks like it's in pain for existing and are then sold for roughly a couple hundred couple hundred dollars for each. The thing that actually drives me insane about these kind of NFT schemes is the fact that the artist basically worked for a week to create the various assets. And then a coder worked another week to make the AI to randomly assemble the different assets. And with the combined power of these two weeks just generated thousands upon thousands of these nfts and then tried to say they're all custom unique even though equivocally every single one of these took roughly seven seconds to make if you include the time of the artist who make the assets that made this together in the first place but hey it's unique art right <laughs> The biggest challenge of this podcast, let me tell you, the biggest challenge of this podcast is to not swear when talking about NFTs. That is by far my biggest challenge. Because they are getting to the point of just being absolutely maddening. And you know what the best part is about this particular story? About these two copycats trying to claim that they're they're the real thing or the real fake thing? Is this subheadline that they are dodging NFT marketplace bans while doing it? 
I thought the whole point of NFTs was that it's non-centralized. When a non-centralized means that there's no marketplace, that it's all just one open-sourced, free-flowing place where all the NFTs can be traded with each other and the blockchain supports it all. But you have centralized marketplaces. So it's not decentralized. Yeah, I know that's just a play on on words, and I know that's not technically how that works. But you know what? You have a sore spot, and I'm going to keep poking it because you keep pissing me off. Someone in chat says, if it's decentralized, Sweden has the authority to ban. That's my point. It's bad enough these sort of awful, abysmal art pyramid schemes are allowed to go on. And you know what NFTs are? The NFT marketplace is nothing but swindlers swindling other swindlers until eventually a sucker gets caught up in it. And in the end, all I can do is just try to convince people who might end up being suckers to avoid this sort of nonsense like the plague. Which is also why letters like from the president of Square Enix physically causes me pain. Because it's a company I like. It is a company that continues to make products that I enjoy. And even though they've had their ups, they've had their downs. Some of their biggest ups and downs happening just this last year with Endwalker. And then also the absolutely awful, terrible release of FF7 Remake for (laughs) the Epic Game Store. I don't remember I actually talked about this on the podcast or not, but yeah, um, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake for the Epic Game Store on PC. Yeah, don't bother. Not only is it more expensive than the version for the PS4, but the highest-end PC hardware available is having trouble running it. It struggles to reach 30 frames per second on an RTX 3090 according to reports. Yeah, just don't. Just just don't. Don't support bad ports. And then to see them just go ahead and like, yeah, we're going to embrace the metaverse, man. We're going to embrace NFTs, man. It is insanely disappointing. It really is. And I really, really do hope that enough people look at what's going on at Ubisoft right now. I actually don't know if I actually talk about Ubisoft at all either. 
Ubisoft right now is having a massive exodus of employees. And a lot of people are speculating that it's in protest to their NFT system. You know who really needs to support NFTs? There is one gaming coming out there that actually desperately needs to support NFTs. Chad has it correct. It's Blizzard. They are the perfect candidates. Blizzard is absolutely the perfect candidate for NFTs. Because they gave up on caring about what anyone thinks about them long ago. They have nothing to lose. They care about nothing other than making more money. And they already have the eyes of the entire industry. So you know what, Blizzard? Please, I encourage you, Blizzard. Make some World of Warcraft NFTs. Please, I am begging you. Please let the death of your division at least be a shining example to the rest of the gaming industry. You're going to die anyway. You refuse to do anything to try and save yourselves as it is. Do it. At least let your demise prove to the gaming world that this is a terrible idea if you actually care about your customers. By the by, just in case I there are any there are absolutely any believers there's any crypto believers still listening to this podcast. I imagine by now I've scared them all away. But just on the off chance that there are a handful left, I bring you this story about how hackers remotely hijacked into HP servers and made out with $110,000 using enterprise-grade stolen hardware and running malware in the background doing the cryptocurrency mining without anyone noting. So please, tell me again how uh, cryptocurrency is helping out the little guy and is not being used for nefarious purposes again. Please. Please. In fact, you know what? If there's any crypto bros left listening to this podcast, you know what? Here's a treat for you. EagleFalconTech at gmail.com. Email me. That, that is the real email I use for this podcast, by the way. Email me why I'm wrong. Do it. You won't. I want to hear why I'm wrong. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we have some more Apple news. Actually, who am I kidding? 
we're getting to the Apple news, as well as some very interesting news from the world of Intel. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Before we actually get to the Apple news, there's one piece of info I want to touch on a little bit. And that's actually having to do with a bit of drama involving copyrighted music and... and a lot of bigger streamers. Not just copyright music, but copyright material in general. A number of bigger streamers are just straight up playing copyrighted videos, commenting over them, and not getting a takedown notice at all. And a lot of people are saying, I can't believe this. I can't believe they're all getting away with this. So, here's my thoughts on it. Yeah. I can't believe they're getting away with it. But they are. That's all there is to it. They they are. They are getting away with it. (laughs) A copyright claim can only be made if the copyright holder decides to make a claim. That's the first step. If the copyright holder decides that, you know some big streamer making their commentary over their video is not something they should make a claim about, then they won't. If I say go ahead and play the entire full feature length of Bambi and then make riffing comments over all of it, and Disney somehow smoked enough crack that they decided that my use of the movie Bambi is fine, they're not going to send me a copyright claim. That's just all there is to it. We can be mad about it. We can say like, oh, hey, a smaller streamer would never get away with this. I actually don't know if a smaller streamer would ever get away with this. Someone in chat said, Disney will DMCA you just for thinking, Bambi. That is true. If this podcast vanishes, it's because I said the word Bambi. Which, by the way, uh, the word Bambi is, uh, um, uh, he says very quickly going to Google to find a legitimate reason for using the word Bambi. Um, you see, 
I'm not referring to the Disney movie Bambi, even though I said it was. It is actually primarily a female name of Italian origin that means child. Much like how Disney is if they decide to DMCA claim this podcast for saying the word Bambi. It means that they themselves are a Bambi, a child. See? I've gone full circle now or something. But in any case, that's that's pretty much all there is to it. I mean, if the if they get away with it because they get away with it or because the copyright holder just felt like it's fair use. It, no matter what, it's still up to the copyright holder to take action to make any kind of copyright claim. Uh, by the way, if we want a source for that, I literally just Google searched Bambi meaning. And this is the first listing that came up on Google. And I, for one, am proud to help Google uh, overtake TikTok in the listing on one list. Meanwhile, in other bizarre news, Apple must allow dating apps alternative payment options according to the Dutch. What? Yeah, no joke. Um, according to a Dutch regulator, um, dating apps must allow in-app purchases. I guess if you run any other kind of app, you're SOL, but if you're specifically a dating app, you can get around the 30% cut of in-app purchases in the Netherlands. Okay, how, why? (laughs) Is this a culture thing? Is this just like, this is the only case to have come before this Dutch regulator? Um, This this comes off as so bizarre. Uh, One of our German uh, listeners in the chat says that, keep in mind, this now also applies to the entirety of the European Union. So yes, all of the EU, for those who want to go ahead and save a few bucks in their dating apps, you can thank the Dutch. You're welcome. I guess. So bizarre. Only dating apps. Why? Is every other app not good enough? In other Apple news, Apple is also hiring Meta's augmented reality public relations lead. So now all of a sudden, my faith in... My faith in Apple's augmented reality ventures is uh, very, very rapidly declining. 
Well, uh, good luck, Apple. Um, hopefully, you realize your mistake very, very quickly and decide to make literally anyone else head of public relations. Because, my man, you should keep anyone from Facebook as far away from public relations as possible. And now my last bit of Apple news for this week. I have mixed feelings in this one. I'm actually very curious what other people think about this. Reports show that Apple is planning on making iPhones without SIM card slots for September 2022. The plan is to have these phones support eSIMs only down the road. Now, here's why I asked for the opinion. Here in the U.S., changing your carrier is very uncommon. Normally here in the U.S., once you go Verizon, T-Mobile, Sprint, AT&T, um, you normally stick with them for a fairly long time. And even then when you do switch, inevitably, you end up taking up a good deal on a brand new phone anyway. So I know in other countries it's a lot more common to go ahead and um, to go ahead just straight up buy your phone outright. That just phones in general are just cheaper. The the ones we consider budget phones are much more common outside of the U.S. And what you do is that you just go ahead, you put three, four hundred down on on a phone. You keep that for a while, and if you change carriers, you just take your SIM card removal tool, which is usually just a paperclip, pop out your old. Pop out the tray, swap the SIM card, and you're done. From from my understanding, and again, I just go from my understanding, it's also helpful when you're crossing the country and crossing a border to another country, which of course are much smaller in Europe, and your cell carrier is not provided there, you just swap out a different SIM card. The end. So, the thought of the SIM card vanishing, at least here in the U.S., is not that big a deal. Mostly because very rarely in the U.S. do you end up ever you yourself swapping out the SIM card.
even if I were to say take my phone here, which is still perfectly good and I haven't smashed the screen on it angrily yet because I saw a bad Verge article on it, I would still go to the store of the carrier, turn my phone over, and they do the swap then and do the programming of it. I know that's not the case in other countries. Now, one thing that this article does say from Mac Rumors is that this is reported to happen only in some countries and regions. So, one person actually said, it's actually our German listener, says that eSIM essentially doesn't exist here at all. So, most likely this move to try and go ahead and switch to eSIM only most likely wouldn't come to say Germany. And and again, I want to stress again, this is an area I'm not that knowledgeable in. Zone in chat says might be for China and U- US. I could see that. Like eSIM in the US, I think makes total sense even though it is a step towards having less control over your own personal device. And of course, I say that as someone who... I think I've switched carriers... How many times I've switched carriers? Once. Technically twice. I started off in Verizon in high school with a super, super cheap, um, like Motorola flip phone that wasn't a Razor because Razor was the cool phone. So, of course, I got the cheap one. Still a good phone, by the way, though. That is one thing I do kind of miss looking back at, at smartphones or just phones in general back in the old days the slam slamming the flip phone shut I kind of missed that but not enough to go get a $1600 freaking razor fold or whatever it is Then um then eventually the phone just got transferred to my to my name as I got into college. And then I switched to Sprint, which then eventually became T Mobile. So yeah, I've only switched switch carriers like once. Someone in chat says I liked physical keyboard. Dude, my favorite, my, my favorite smartphone still to this day was my, I think it was a Droid 3. Had a slide out keyboard, like a little D-pad to like navigate on. That thing was so nice. The freaking actual physical keyboard. 
The unfortunate thing is that's never gonna come back. Slide out keyboards are just never gonna come back. And it's such a shame they're never gonna come back. Cause that was very nice. It makes the phone so thick and bulky. Screw you. You're wrong and you know it. You don't care about the thickness of the phone. Let's be perfectly honest. The vast majority of people, they look at the thickness of their phone and they don't go, man, I wish it was thinner. Actually, no, I take that back. There are people who think that. You know what they are? Apple. That's it. Actually, no, I take that back. You know, you know what people uh, do do like thick in their phones? The freaking camera bump. God, if this camera bump got any bigger, I don't know if that's coming up well on the camera that you can't see because it's an audio podcast. If that camera bump was any thicker, it looked like another phone glued itself to my phone. Someone in chat says, man, I wish my phone snapped in half just by holding it. Man, you could have that. They call it the iPhone 6. Oh, man. The glory days of phones. Let's shift gears a little bit here. So someone in chat just went ahead and pretty much channeled exactly how my phone is. So I have, I have a really good phone. It's actually the, this is, I have the Samsung S21 Ultra. Big phone, st- still like fairly thin for a smartphone. And then you know what I do with it? It then goes into this case here, which then has another top layer that snaps on top of it. And then it has a rubber fricking bumper put around that and they call it an otter box. So therefore I went ahead and tripled the thickness of my phone. But man, it was really thin at one point. I could have just skipped the step and just got like one of those like crazy durable cat phones that could be used as construction material in a pinch or just got the Nokia 3310. <laughs> the, f- the phone as someone said in the chat, if you dropped it would crack the floor. Didn't they make a spiritual successor to the 3310? I vaguely recall there being a successor to the 3310. I did remember this right. Yes. 
The 3310 was re-released. It's just, you know, not a smartphone. And it has Snake, therefore it's superior to every other phone. Does your phone have Snake pre-installed? No, your phone has Candy Crush pre-installed. You know it to be true. And hey, the iPhone's oh, the iPhone's about to go away with any SIM, dude. The Nokia three thirty ten has dual SIMs. You could have two hundred percent more SIM card than the average smartphone. Checkmate, Apple. Unfortunately, it looks like I can't buy it right now. The silicon shortage has even... <laughs> the silicon shortage has affected even the Nokia 3310. So apparently all I can do is sign up for updates as to availability. The storage inside this thing is 16 megabytes. <laughs> With a micro SD card slot that can bring the storage up to 32 gigabytes. <laughs> 32. What could you possibly do? With 32 gigabytes on a phone that normally has 16 megs. That's insane. I love it. Someone in chat says, as a, 32 gigs. You don't have enough SMS storage in there to store, to store all the secret text messages you'd have with everyone. But you know, someone says prawn. It's a black and white screen. <laughs> I want to. I want to stress this, by the way, for those uh, for those listening the audio version. the the, the thirty three ten is not a smartphone. Someone in chat says it's a color screen. I don't think it is. I'm pretty sure it's a tricolor screen, black, white, and then the color of the phone. No, I th wait. Is it actually a color screen? I don't think it is. It is a color screen at 240 by 320. Never mind, it actually is a color screen. It's just every picture of the screen only shows it in black and white. <laughs> oh man, you you know what the biggest flaw of this phone is though? The absolute biggest flaw of this phone? 
by far, hands down, no questions asked. Actually, no, there's two flaws of this phone. So one is the fact that it's only compatible with 2G. So once the 2G network starts being torn down for being obsolete, which already is starting to happen here in the US at least, because 3G is just becoming the new de facto standard for a lot of that sort of stuff. You're going to start losing functionality. I want to say some functions of 2G are still being kept around in um, for emergency call purposes, but for the most part, 2G infrastructure is being taken down in favor of higher end. Someone in chat says 2G can't be torn down because of industrial applications. 3G is being torn down. If that's actually the case, then all right, well, you're set forever. Uh, for whatever reason, my Amazon Echo device just decided to uh, give a ping, and I don't know why. It's driving me a little, little nuts. Let's actually shift gears to things that are... Uh, that are actually relevant. Apparently, three apparently three G frequencies are being repurposed for four G. That sounds familiar, but I can't confirm that. And are already running behind. But anyway, the other the other flaw of the Nokia three thirty three ten is um. It's not a flip phone, so you can't slam it shut. There's the other problem. Also, it's micro USB, and all and the and the e, and Europe is trying to ban micro USB as a charging standard. So that would also be a big problem. In any case, new technology could reduce the number of transist transistors required in CPUs by 85%. That's nuts. So the thing is, is um, assuming the reduction of transistors can be done in a CPU without sacrificing performance. It means that every single bit of the package within a CPU can be made smaller so you can get a lot more CPU and a lot more performance in the package. So this could mean future CPUs can get much, 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 much faster. And as someone else also said, less leakage current, meaning more efficient CPUs. 
this actually is a big deal even though a lot of us uh are just kind of in the i don't know i'm not a technical engineer territory in this sort of thing <laughs> meanwhile also in intel land intel has shown off an alder lake system with a pci express 5.0 ssd hitting almost 14 gigabytes per second Now, an SSD being able to to read and write 14 gigabytes per second might make the average user go, why? Why on earth would you ever want speeds that high? And there's a short and a long answer to that. The short answer is, why not? The real answer is, you don't. You, the person listening to this podcast right now, most likely does not need this. Data centers, the enterprise market, enthusiast markets... Crazy people like Linus Sebastian of Linus Tech Tips, they're the ones that need this. This could be a massive boon for data centers. Being able to go ahead and communicate even faster with the SSD means that responsiveness with all these sorts of cloud applications are just that much faster and that much less likely to hang while doing anything for you, the user. Meanwhile, the big problem though with the new platform is the fact that DDR5 is kind of hard to come by. In fact, DDR5, which is what Intel's new Alder Lake system uses, is actually has a shortage. But but Asus has you covered by creating this Frankenstein board that will convert DDR5 to DDR4. So you can connect your DDR4 module into this giant board that'll just snap in. The board itself is roughly twice the height of an average RAM stick and has all the power distribution nodes on on it that would normally be on the DDR5 module. DDR5 moved a lot of its power delivery system to the actual RAM chip itself rather than the board. So if you're doing this, well, hey, you need the, you need some way to do that. And thus... Here you go. You can have this atrocious monstrosity sticking out of your motherboard. You could have just gone ahead and gotten an Alder Lake board that was already DDR4 compatible. That is, in fact, a real thing, but it's okay. Asus has you covered. 
with this Frankenstein module. And it's not like Asus has any sort of bad reputation with soldering. Asus's reputation is rock solid. They have never had anything combust like, say, a high-end Z690 Hero motherboard. Oh, wait. They actually had exactly that happen. Yeah, the, the Asus ROG Maximus Z690 Hero motherboard had a bad batch, of which it had a... I want to make sure I have this right. It's either a capacitor or a resistor that was put on backwards. But regardless of what specifically, one of the components is on backwards, and it can result in the board just not detecting the memory correctly in a best-case scenario, and in a worst-case scenario, combust. Zona chat says it is a capacitor of a utility five volt voltage rail. That sounds about right. Now, before we immediately boycott all of Asus for this motherboard, let's first approach this logically. It is, in fact, just that. It is a bad batch. Asus has already come out. In fact, they came out two days after this whole story started coming to light and said, we are looking into the issue. If you have one of these boards, contact us, RMA it. We'll get you a brand new one. We are looking into the issue, and we apologize for the inconvenience. We'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. Well, that's awfully nice. I'd, man, if only other companies would do that, unlike, you know, NZXT and the case of the nylon screws. Or, um, my personal favorite, Gigabyte and their combustible power supplies and the fact they are still in denial about their combustible power supplies. At least Asus went and said, we got you, fam. Uh, We're going to take a break here when we come back. I have some really weird stories to share. Most of which involving space. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So, normally I don't cover a whole lot of space stories, because in the end, most space stories devolve into X thing is in space. The end. But this one is fascinating because it involves two of my two subjects that I... I'm not favorable of. The first is 
Elon Musk. Elon Musk, who is currently using SpaceX to launch tons upon tons of satellites into space to go ahead and create the satellite grid to provide high-speed networking across the globe, is under flack recently saying that, well, that his satellites are taking up a lot of space in space. To which Elon Musk says a very Elon Musk phrase in that saying that space is extremely enormous and satellites are very tiny. I mean, he's not wrong. (laughs) Believe it or not, space is big. Chat can't help but notice that the the tip of the rocket being used by Ars Technica in their article uh, looks very, very uh, phallic. in this the actual space is enormous in fact now one question i've had about spacex's plan is that um how big is the gap between the satellites i know that the specific spacex satellites are supposed to be low orbit supposed to be taking up a section of uh, the orbital space that is lower than most other satellites and that's actually part of the glory of how they're supposed to work so well but at the same time if we just coat the entire planet in a blanket of satellites um You know, what does that do for us? Yeah, it's just going to create problems, especially when you're talking about, you know, how many thousands upon thousands of these little things out there. That's one detail that a lot of people just kind of want to ignore. With that said, though, the thing that brought up Elon saying that space big, satellite tiny, is China saying that their space station had to dodge Starlink satellites twice this year. I know I don't pay very close attention to the... the space news and all but um 
When did China have its own space station? When did that happen? Chat saying I know nothing. C clearly not. <laughs> Apparently, China's had a space station up in up in uh, up in orbit for the past six months. I did. I thought that China actually actually uh, was part of the International Space Station, but apparently not. That they had their own. Th that apparently they have their own space station. Other, or they just take over the, the International Space Station. It's like it's ours now, lol. Someone in chat also says they have a friend that takes time-lapse pics of the night sky. He's getting a lot of pics that, so, that show Starlink satellite streaks. Hmm. Interesting. I would actually be very curious as to uh, what those what those look like. I'm actually not really curious. Star Link Night Sky Pollution. Is our first hit. <sighs> Unfortunately, the very first links I get are from Vox. Okay, we actually have one from Wired, apparently from... October saying that SpaceX's Starlink ramps up and so could light pollution. Light pollution for those that some, that do not know refers to basically what was just described by our person in the chat. That um you have so much light from other sources that your ability to view the night sky is hindered. Some other people in chat are saying that they didn't bother to paint the SpaceX satellite, so they've been reflecting a ton of light. Whoops! For the most part, you know what? I, I'd say I'm shocked, but not surprised. Man, I don't know who to side in this, other than decide with this large bowl of popcorn as China and Elon Musk have their pissing match. Mmm. I some buttered. Mmm. 
Meanwhile, Amazon is apparently trying to pull its own Darwin Award challenge with um, their smart speakers system. Apparently, the Amazon Echo smart speaker uh, once told a 10-year-old girl to touch a live plug with a penny. Apparently, according to the story, what happened is that supposedly, allegedly, a girl asked the Echo device for a challenge to do. Sorry, I don't know that one. And as you heard there, mine did not know how to respond to that. But apparently, one of the things that it asked was, in fact, to plug something in and touch a penny to the exposed prong. However, I have just, as you heard, just re-rigged my podcasting sub so you can actually hear my, my Amazon device. So, so let's try it. Echo. Give me a challenge to do. For this challenge, all you need is a balloon. The game is to see who can keep the balloon from touching the ground the longest. You can ask me to set a timer for one minute, then two minutes, and so on. Well, that was a boring challenge, and that's something that I did when I was six. Echo, give me a challenge to do. This challenge is simple. You must do something in ten seconds. The task is up to you. For example, tying your shoes or making a sandwich. Just ask me to start a 10-second timer when you're ready. So we have that. As you can hear, a lot of these challenges are very uh, mundane and uh, minor. Amazon has, however, come out and said it fixed the error that caused this. Okay, I'll bite. How did this happen? Did it just go ahead, see a TikTok trend called the Penny Challenge? I was meant to go and weed out idiots and give that. Does that mean that it would have gone ahead and issued the Tide Pod Challenge at some point if it continued down this path? I really want to know what what this what led to this happening. And like someone in the chat said earlier, this story sounds fake. And I thought it was too. I first heard it and thought it was as fake as could be. But of course, what ended up confirming it? Amazon responded and said, oops, or bad. Wow. Just... 
Just wow. Echo, give me a challenge. For this challenge, you will need a lemon. Cut it into wedges and give one to each player. The game is to see who can bite their lemon wedge without making a face. <laughs> I mean... That's probably the most challenging one there so far. Oh, well, that, that's enough si silly questions for one day. Here's a real question for you. What is a ridiculous gadget that you need as a gamer? What you need is the Shiatsu Hand Massager for gamers this wonderful device if you go ahead and put your hand in it it'll massage your weary hand that you desperately need to be a pro gamer I Well, I mean, we, we've now hit a new bar. What can we attach the word gaming to and then sell it? Here we are. The hand warmer and massager. <sighs> I mean, at least we know for this week, at least. We've hit peak useless gadgets right there is nothing stranger that could possibly top this right of course not of course there's more you foolish fool we haven't even gotten to the last burb the last story of the day the weirdest story of the week ladies and gentlemen we have a lickable screen. Thanks to this wonderful inventor in Japan, by using basically 10 different flavor toner cartridges and a hygienic film screen, it can create any sense of taste that you can imagine and you can taste it all by licking the screen. I should also say that the concept of flavor toner, I basically made up. I actually don't know what they call their, basically their, whatever the chemical they'd use for the flavors, but they have 10 of them. And by mixing these various 10s can apparently reach any kind of flavor at all. So, it's not completely far-fetched, okay? 
I have actually heard of other projects using, I believe it was six different flavors that combinations of them could create any kind of flavor sensation in other such concept devices. They just go ahead and make a specific mix of these various flavors and come up with just about anything. So the the concept of tamarind flavors being made to create anything, um, that's not that far-fetched as chat begins to wonder what other kind of terrible taste we could come up with, including, quote, virtual gamer girl bath water. Yeah, I want to completely gouge out my ears having to hear me say that too. You're not alone. But here's the real question. Over these last over the over the last 2 years now, we have uh, we have gone to extreme lengths to inform ourselves incorrectly and incorrect or correctly and incorrectly about how to properly maintain hygiene and how to properly mitigate the spread of bacteria and viruses and how in fact contagious diseases are spread how how on earth did we think for a minute that a tasty screen you lick could ever possibly, under any stretch of the imagination, have the word hygienic added to it? Is this just going to end up being the new buzzword? It's a hygienic film screen. Don't worry about it. I I'm worried about it. I am worried right now about how hygienic this could possibly be. And... Man, holy cow, you want to talk about the wrong year to introduce this sort of thing? It's any year within five years of 2020. Holy cow. Someone in chat says, you don't want to know what kind of life lives on your phone screen. You know what's actually very interesting about, about that, that, the person in the chat says that? You know what I've actually seen way more of recently? For those who don't know, I work as a a delivery driver for linen being served to hospitals. You know what they have us do? We have to take our phones out and put them on a conveyor belt that go in specifically to have the whole th the whole phone exposed to not very high temperatures, but decently high temperatures and a UV light on both sides. And then we can collect our phone again. And then of course also be screened for the virus. So actually I know it's on my screen right now. Right now it is actually not that much because it just recently got baked in UV. <laughs> and, and just the concept of this is just It, 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 this this is a thing I never thought I would see 
But here we are. Tastovision. Just lick your TV. Folks, that's going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening, and I do encourage you to check out the daily podcast, the early burb briefing, which can be found wherever you found this podcast. There is also the subscriber episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. You can find that at anchor.fm slash Eagle Eyes on Tech. The Early Bird Briefing can also be found at anchor.fm slash the Early Burb B-I-R-B Briefing. And check out my Twitch page where we broadcast this live. Twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. Take care, and I hope you have a great day. Just, just let let me know this. All right, we already got, we already got the smell o vision VR assistant thing. We've already got taste o vision here with this TV thing here. I just want to know how many more years is it until I can just be plugged into a VR bodysuit and then lay on a bed and then just be trapped in virtual reality forever? I just want to know. Reality's getting too weird for my taste. Oh wait, no, Facebook owns VR. No! Why is my one escape from the suffering that is life consumed by Facebook? There's no escape. No escape. Uh, How long is this year? Oh, God, it just started.